What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Sifu Topher, the other Wing Chun guy. Uh, just finished recording an episode of the podcast with my Sihang. We did a little interview. So my Sihang, Chris Hope, Mr. Hope Wing Chun on the Instagrams, popped in, asked me some questions from the internet, and we had ourselves a good time. Um, some shenanigans, some deep thoughts, and in general, a great conversation on Wing Chun. Hope you all enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. As usual, I want to give a shout out to Sifu Jose, Andrew Lim, and of course, Chris Berry Berry Berry. Chris, Kara says hi. Yo, Sihang, what's going on? Hey, Tofa, good to be with you. Good to be with you. Glad to have you on the show. You're the first guest, numero well, uno. Well, I'm honored that you would have me on. Um, just to give a little context to people that follow your um, channel, uh, Topher and I uh, live just a couple of miles away from each other. So we had planned when we discussed this to uh, uh, sit in the same room and meet in per uh, person, but our schedules have, for whatever reason, not allowed for that. And um, I'm pleased to report that uh, I am fully recovered from the virus of unknown origin, which uh, disrupted our first attempt to get together, but we're finally making up for lost time. So thank you very much for having me oh absolutely it's always always great to chit chat so uh you have questions for me i do i okay. have a number of questions i should probably tease also that i um even have a surprise guest has uh given me a question they want me to ask you um but perhaps i'll save that to later because it's a maybe a, a little bit of a a hypothetical style question, let me put it that way. Um, but perhaps we should leave that till a little bit uh, later. Um, I also, uh, goes to show how long ago we had initially uh, planned this, uh, you know, going back a month or two now, um, but I had it in my notes for our chat today. Before anything, I just wanted to uh, extend a congratulations to our Kung Fu brother, Alan, who, um, a short while ago, uh, swam across the English Channel uh, from England to France. Uh, those of you familiar with the Channel Swim, um, it is a very impressive um, accomplishment. Um, you, you have to be obviously in great shape, but you also have to have a good amount of determination. So our Kung Fu brother, Alan, uh, did the Channel Crossing. Um, and did, put up a pretty respectable time. I can't remember exactly how, uh, how he did it, but it was I, a pretty respectable time. Yeah. Um, but regardless, it's quite an accomplishment. And uh, so, you know, on behalf of myself, I, I, I wanted to uh, extend our congratulations uh, for a really an impressive achievement. We're very, very proud of him. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully he can get back to Wing Chun now that he's absolutely no no excuses yeah, if he can do that there's no uh i don't think there's anything that's going to be too demanding in uh, wing chun class so so yeah absolutely absolutely no uh you're absolutely right when he he had told me i think back in february that he's like oh yeah by the way i'm training to swing swim the english channel and i said really he goes yeah so once i get that done <laughs> but I, he did it. And like you said, I can't remember the time either. I thought it was like 10 hours or something like that. It was a very, very impressive amount of time. It was impressive. And and he was explaining to me, I sent him a message of congratulations. He was explaining that just by pure coincidence, 
uh, the the person that set the new world record was uh, swimming the same day as him. So uh, so yeah, obviously a lot of the attention was on this guy. I think he was a German guy or something, but he set the new record. But here's yeah. the thing: like people are going to set records for that kind of thing, but the feat in itself is impressive. I don't care how oh, long yeah. it takes to swim Absolutely. the channel. You're basically swimming for an entire day. Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty cool uh, in in my book. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. So maybe we'll have Alan on to talk about swimming the English Channel. That would be really cool. That'd yeah, be, actually, I've, uh, other fun. than a few messages here and there, I've not chatted with him for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I bring up Alan. Obviously, we ha mm. are very fortunate in our local area, the Sarasota Bradenton mm -hmm. area in uh, South Florida. We're very uh, fortunate to have. Uh, come across many uh, talented martial artists, uh, some of whom have, you know, ended up training Wing Chun with us, um, you know, or visitors from other places. But just in Sarasota alone, lots of great uh, people here. Um, but perhaps some people that follow you don't necessarily uh, know your Wing Chun, Wing Chun background specifically. So that was, you know, the first question I wanted to get out of the way. Um, I wanted to... Uh, ask you about basically the Hokoming family of Wing Chun, uh, which is uh, the one that we are predominantly tied to. Um, how did you learn about Hokoming? Um, where did that discovery fall in your Wing Chun career? Because I know you've done Wing Chun uh, previously to joining the Hokoming branch. Um, sure. And what, uh, what appealed about our particular style to you, uh, as opposed to say, other styles or uh, lineages that you had done before what what piqued your interest sure um so for me it, it kind of kind of two ways of answering this question um or two parts i should say so the first part is i've been involved in chinese martial arts for a long time um i actually about 20 years now total um i came to wing chun about 10 years ago 11 years ago um and i did start in a different <clears throat> different Wing Chun lineage. I started in uh, essentially the Moyat lineage um, is right. what it would have been. Um, I had learned uh, from a friend of mine named Bob who had started out in started out in the Lung Ting lineage and in the uh, his his teacher had moved things over to the Moyat lineage. Um, it's kind of a a lot going on there. And what happened was, we were kind of in this weird place of flux. So I trained with him for about a year and a half, almost two years. Um, but we were in this weird place of flux. And what ended up happening is he took me to meet you and our Sifu Renee at that time, uh, who are from the Hokaming branch. And so we got together and we uh, had that first class in the park. And that was a yes, lot of fun. Oh, yeah. man. That was, uh, it was you, Alan, and um, I can't remember his name. He moved to Texas. Yeah, we, we've had a, we, well, we had another yeah. Alan in the group, I think, at the time. I think uh, he was the other Jake Alan. as well. Uh, you know, we had a, and to explain to people yeah. that don't necessarily know, when we're talking about the park here in Florida, we are blessed yeah. to live just a few uh, short miles away from like some really awesome beaches and some of our downtown parks in Sarasota, some of them are literally right in the marina. So yeah. when we're talking about the park, 
it's the most beautiful place. If you're going to practice outside, you've got a nice sea breeze, very often yeah. a cool sunset, people walking their dogs. It's really cool vibes. So, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes we get curious people come to check us out. But uh, on this particular occasion, yeah. uh, it was another Wing Chun school uh, coming to visit. Um, yeah. And I had not met you at this point either. So uh, this was yeah. our first introduction. So yeah. that's interesting. I wasn't sure how much you had known about Ho Kuming before meeting us or, or nope. what the deal was uh, there. That that was uh that was pretty much it. That was um I mean I had heard the name, I'd seen a couple of the old videos that had been put up. Sure. Um and what happened was after that, uh you know, Bob and I had a conversation. Bob wanted to continue his training and I wanted to keep learning more. And it was a case of like, well, I'm gonna go this way and you're gonna go that way. And if we meet sure. back in the middle, let's find out what happens. So I contacted uh, Renee and said, hey, I'm interested in coming and training with you. And he said, well, you know, you, you, you'd you have to pretty much start from scratch and we'd have to figure out where, where you fall in the line of things. I said, okay, fine by me. I, I had no problem with that. And kind of the rest is history, I suppose. Um, yeah. After and, that, and don't sell yourself short there because uh, being perfectly honest, when you arrived, um, you know, with us, your your skill was you know, already on a, on a really a fantastic level at, at that, at that point. So, you know, it was by no means the case that you had to relearn the whole system. Um, and you can see, obviously, the, the uh, ancestry obviously is close. And that's probably yeah. why it wasn't a big adjustment for you. No. Obviously, a lot of people know that Moya and uh, Hoka Ming were would you would you say they were kind of early to middle uh, period? They're both both students? middle middle period students. They fall, um, so like you think like nineteen fifty to nineteen fifty seven. It's kind of yeah. like that first period. Um, that's when you get your, um, you know, Lock Yu, Leung Xiong, Wang Xiong Leung, um, Bruce Lee, all them. They all fall into that. Uh, Chu Sheng Tin and all them. They're kind of in that first period. And, of course, uh, Chan Chi Man, Sifu are all kind of in that period. Um, and then you get into the late 50s, and that's when you get the Moyat and the Hokan Ming. Um, it's funny enough, I, I kind of actually, because it was always kind of a question I had, is like, when exactly did um, Ho Sifu start learning from Yitman? I pinned it down, had to have been late 58 to early 59. And the reason mm -hmm. for that being is that in an interview, Hokan Ming says, yes, when I first started learning Wing Chun, I met Bruce Lee right before he left for America. Yeah, we cheese out and he beat me. He was much better. I had only been learning for a few months. He had been learning for a few years <laughs> um, or something to that effect. Um, and I was like, oh, OK, so that means he started probably in like 59 because Bruce left for the U.S. in 59, Makes 59 sense, right in yeah. there. So I was like, oh, well, there you go. There's kind of yeah, those no, rare I, times. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I imagined it was around that time period. But yeah, the question, you know, in a separate conversation the other day, you know, what what would be your relationship to Bruce? Lee and I had to say I honestly don't know because I'm not sure if RC Gung was was senior or junior. It sounds like he was junior. junior. So he was junior to him. Uh, yep. So Bruce would be our Sibak Gung, I would guess, our, our yep. senior senior um, senior yep. uh, grand uncle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. But yeah, I was much the same. I didn't know anything. So this is how green I was coming into Wing Chun. Is I didn't know who Ho Kaming was. I didn't know who Yip Man was. I had a peripheral pop culture level knowledge of Bruce Lee. I was like, oh yeah, Bruce Lee does those cool movies. Um, but that was never the selling point. I met my uh, 
Dicey Hing Gabe um, before I had met Sifu and we were good friends. We were musicians in bands together and would like to hang out. Um, and he always, I was curious about martial arts. I think I'd done some introduction Taekwondo and it yeah. wasn't me. Um, but when our um, Si Hing Gabe, our Dai Si Hing was explaining uh, Wing Chun, I was like, that sounds perfectly logical. It sounds very economical. Um, and just my Spock brain that I seem to have all the time with stuff like that, I was like, okay, this makes sense. I want to know more. So I was very much sold on the system um, from its first uh, utterances to me uh, without necessarily my knowledge of people like Yip Man. That that came later. So when right. I went for my first class with uh, Sifu Rene, um, I heard about, you know, Bruce Lee and Yip Man. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like this, this is, you know, there's obviously something there, but um, I was mostly curious about the art itself. And by some ill fortune, that first class I had, and I was introduced to Renee, and you know, I was like, "I'm interested." I, you know, when's the next class? And uh, it was at that point, Sifu Renee said, uh, "Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm leaving and moving back to San Diego." I was like, "Great," um, but it was at that point that Sifu said, "You know, you're friends with Gabe. Gabe is now at a, a, an instructor level. Uh, you should learn from him." Um, and I did. So while I credit Gabe as being, you know, my dicey hing in many respects, he was my first Sifu in that sense. Um, so he took me through the early stages. And it was a couple of years later when Renee actually moved back to Sarasota and we, you know, continued there. Um, but credit to older brothers uh, uh, for, you know, getting me on a good head start with that. Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I didn't know much of Hokuming. I, I learned that stuff through osmosis over the first months yeah. and years that we were studying. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately I never got to, to meet the late Sigong before he uh, passed, uh, yeah. but something that always stood out to me in the very political and uh, sometimes hostile world of Wing Chun is uh, I, for myself, have never heard uh, a bad word said about um, Ho Kameng. Uh, he seems to be well-respected from all sides um so that was something that i i always took note of that this seemed to be a you know a, a fellow that by all accounts was unimpeachable in terms of his character and his reputation for training R real fighters just, you know let's yeah. be honest a lot of the guys coming out of macau at, at that time um could give the hong kong guys a run for their money they were but, you know ho Ming in particular had a reputation for putting good fighters out of its school. So once I, I learned all of this, I, I was very um, satisfied that I had, you know, talked yeah. to the right people at the right time. So. Yeah. Well, and and to answer kind of the second part of your question, what what kept me around, what kept me, like what made me say, okay, this That's is it. this is the yeah. way we're going to go. It's, it's um, you know, the Hokaming methodology is just, like you said, it it's it, it, inherently because Wing Chun is refined, economical um but there is um just how thorough and well coordinated everything is how uh our teacher taught us and how you know when we went to macau and visited our sea box and sea sooks and all them and how very well again like you said one how well respected um Gong was and how you know uh 
we could go somewhere and say, okay, what lineage are you from? Hokka Megan go, okay, you can come, you're, you're good. Come in, come in, come in. Yeah. Um, um, but also, uh, you know, I can say having, having trained Wing Chun with others, I can say, you know, the Ming concept and the way we develop uh, Qi Sao and control and things like that have really served me to be able to adapt when I visit other lineages um, and working with other lineages and my ability to just kind of drop in and go, okay, what are we doing? Oh, this is what we're doing. All right, great. Let's go. And not have almost not miss a beat, um, save for a few uh, lineage specific differences. Sure. Um, I, I think as you said, with the Hokuming uh, period being, you know, kind of roughly in the middle or early middle, um, it means we can very often find similarities with early Wing Chun to what we do and then later Wing Chun to what we do. Absolutely. Uh, which is very uh, uh, fortuitous when it comes to, and um, as we've done, it visited sometimes other branches that perhaps from a different lineage to us, but there was enough common, uh, you know, commonality there that we we, we could uh, figure out what was going on and learn some new, interesting, different things that we've not seen before. But there's enough common DNA there that uh, that makes it very easy. And uh, again, we've been very blessed that, you know, a lot of people have been very welcoming Absolutely. Um, to our group and have invited us into train um, because I know some lineages that, you know, they don't get on so well with each other. And yeah. um, so we, we're very thankful to all the people that have opened their doors to us and uh, been generous with their time and their, and their training us in Hong Kong and Macau yeah. and, yeah. you know, various places in the States and the UK. We, we're very fortunate and we do appreciate Absolutely. our Kung Fu friends, uh, yes. even ones that we only talk to online because, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have friends. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, I, it's a good point you bring up there and it, it harkens back to, um, the old, uh, the old days, you know, uh, when I used to really get out there and push the dudes at Kung Fu po uh, podcast, with my, uh, late friend, Big Sean and, um, Sifu Alex, there's something Sifu Alex always said at the head, like, a, a at the end of each episode, which was, you know, if you love martial arts, go out and talk, because um, the only way we're going to end the the hostile and caustic discourse is to open ourselves up to each other and just have these conversations. Um, and even though you might disagree with someone, that doesn't mean they love martial arts any less than you do or vice versa. Like, just be open to these conversations. And I think now more than ever, especially with the advent of things like Instagram and stuff where people are just, we're all just putting stuff out. Yeah, we're all putting stuff out, whether we like it or not. Um, we're all putting stuff out, and that's fine. And it's letting us each say our piece. And that's, I, uh, my hope is, is that that's over time going to help make things better. Yeah, we can only hope, right? Mm -hmm. I just switch off. I don't listen to. I, I <laughs> long ago I realized that I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on Facebook in terms of Wing Chun and stuff because. Yeah you know, the things you like are the things you like and the things you don't agree with you, you know, it, it's rare that you get one over on those kind of things. So I yeah. don't like to go down there and, you know, perhaps get frustrated about how people do it. And I'm like, you know what, if you're enjoying what you're doing, that's totally cool. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I have over the last few years in particular tried to shut myself off from certain walls of uh, Facebook and the yeah. discourse that I once happily got involved with. I realize there's really no point. It's not productive. No. Um, it, it doesn't improve your Wing Chun. Um, nope. So so yeah, I think it's very uh, healthy now that we've got a lot of outlets like your podcast and, and others that we follow. Um that can talk about these ideas in a sensible measured way people are not yeah. going to get upset well people i'm sure do get upset. always going to get upset <laughs> but that's fine you know yeah. you you can't proceed anywhere in life with anything uh meaningful if you're afraid of what everybody thinks yeah. um you know do you think do you exactly think? absolutely absolutely all right next question yeah all right let's do it so this was uh a little uh, more um uh more of a technical question um sure and i wanted to know if this was something that you had seen in your previous versions of wing chan or if this is just something that you had encountered when you joined up with our group mm -hmm. um but we have always uh in our system uh obviously you always start with the sunim tau the the first form um but in our system, uh, we, we do the Sunim Tao certainly as a beginner's form, um, but our Sifu always stressed that the Sunim Tao, um, while it may be a beginner's form and the form you start with, in many respects, it is the advanced form. It is the form that after you learn the whole system, learn the whole system, uh, you then go back and re-examine much more closely the, the Sunim Tao and, and yep look for things in the foundation that you perhaps uh, were not ready to see the first time um and then there there is um looking at the form differently in that respect but there is a more streamlined version of the form sometimes we'll do demonstrations and we'll do a more yeah. streamlined version of the form with uh, perhaps some of the um intermediate transitions that the beginners uh have to learn some of those are smoothed out and all that kind of stuff so we right. think of there being a sunim tau and then an advanced Sudim Tao. Is that something that you had seen before? Um, um, what did you think of that uh, when you first came across, across it? So it's a concept that has always been ever present. Um, and I have seen it outside of our lineage. I've seen it in all, uh, frankly, any worthwhile Wing Chun system will have this idea that it begins and ends with Sudim Tao. Uh, so for instance, um, Let's take the end of Suntel. Let's take the Bong Sao section, for instance. When you're a beginner, you're sitting here and you go Bong Sao, elbow in, hand out, up, back. And then you learn Chum Q. And what does Chum Q teach you? Not only teaches you to Bong Sao, but it teaches you to Bong Sao forward with forward intent. Boom, getting that out there. And then you take that back to Suntel, and all of a sudden, the Suntel Bong Sao isn't just, okay, Bong Sao, it's, am I getting that forward? Am I getting that forward bit? That is this does this have that same elasticity as it does in the chum cue? It's like it goes, it creates its own. It's one of the ingenious things about Wing Chun and why I think it's such a phenomenal system is whoever designed it essentially designed it with a feedback loop to help re reinforce itself as you piece the rest of it together. Which yeah. I mean, when you think about like the com the complexity of that, uh, and it, it's why I, I'm okay controversial controversial statements here um it's why i don't believe in the mythology of our creation story yeah because you don't 
create such two people don't come up with such an ingenious idea like that yeah it is it is a collective of concepts that must have been brought together by multiple sources over a long period of time it it certainly Uh, seems that way yeah it's it's to me it's like language like how how can you tell how old a language is well by the complexity of the vernacular um the the die you know the linguistics of it you know wing chun is a very refined ingenious system in that sense and obviously you know it, it it's been it must have been in development for much longer than what we might generally think um at least in part or whole um and again we know that the version of what we have now yitman himself had refined profusely and up pretty much up until his passing had been tinkering with and which is funny because even within our own lineage um that same thing you know hokai ming the more he trained it the more he would go back to sun tao the more he would like refine things um our own sifu told us one time he said i've been doing this since 73 i go back to that first form and i always find something and you always will find something um you know uh, but you know i i found a video of uh hoka Meng practicing sun tao and it was a video that i don't know he knew was being videotaped because he very oh, okay. much he very much it was not a demonstration he was kind of like off on the side just doing the form and he was doing it in a way that i'd never seen anybody else do it but you could see the wheels turning in his head as he's like thinking about the mechanics of what he was doing and i'm like yeah because even in his later years he was still going back to Silent town thinking about wait a minute wait a minute it, it it is very much um it's like you said you know there's a like the version you teach a beginner so that they can get the rudimentary movements down um and then as they get better as they get through the chum cue you can start stripping away some of the like excess movements and go, well, this should actually, you know, uh, so for instance, a great example in our lineage is um, the Pak Sao. We do Pak. The way we learned it is set the hand, Pak, back, shoot. And then at some point you can just, instead of setting the hand, you can just Pak, back, shoot. And then, um, you know, Pock, shoot as you get the elbow mechanics down you can just refine it and it just becomes boom, boom um same thing with the uh at the end of the uh sound by foot section the pock back palm and then at some point it just becomes pock palm close back so the refinement of it and in so the short answer is yes. Um, the the I have seen it. I have talked with other uh, sifus who I've gone to for information and to chat with, and they all have all said something very similar uh, to what to that idea. Cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just really is. It's it's an interesting and stepping stones, you know. So each piece is like just another stepping stone, and uh, and then once you get the whole thing back together, yeah, you go back to Sumtown. You realize everything else you learned is just feeding it. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, yeah, I had heard the very same advice about Sudim Tao, which is 
if you're ever stuck on something uh, in your Wing Chun training, um, something's not quite coming together quite right, and you're, you're struggling to find a reason why, um, you know, Sifu would always say, go back to the Sudim Tao. You know, yeah. what is is something with your Bong Sao or whatever? Go back to the Sudim Tao and really examine it. Um, and you can perhaps gain some insights from doing that to the very uh, thing that has eluded you with with perhaps something somewhere else in the in the system. Um, and there, I have to admit, there have been many times when I've been stuck with something or the energy is just not quite right. I went back and looked at it, really uh, examined it in the pseudonym town. I'm like, you know what? Maybe my elbow should be a little higher here and adjusting accordingly. And then when you put it into uh, practice, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, a lot of people perhaps don't have the the patience to go back to the beginner's form when they've done the the knives and the beauty and all that kind of stuff because yeah. it, you know I think some people are dismissive of it. Um, but it's our alphabet, you know. Yes. Uh, yep. And you know, if you don't have the alphabet, or uh, you know, it scales. You you're learning yeah. uh, learning an instrument. Do you want to be able to play Wonderwall straight mm -hmm. away, or would you rather somebody teaches you how to tune your instrument? and uh, have perfect pitch and know what all the scales are. Um, yep. and, and a classical system like Wing Chun uh, gives you all of those uh, foundational in ingredients. Yeah, maybe you can't play Wonderwall right away, but uh, you know you can play Bach if you practice it long enough, so. Absolutely, I fully agree, yep. Cool, cool. Um, so uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is, you know, perhaps less Wing Chun related and, and more just so your um, listeners and viewers can, you know, start to understand you a little better. Um, and of course, you have on previous episodes discussed some of your, you know, favorite Kung Fu movies and all that kind of stuff. I want to know who is your biggest inspiration but not from a martial arts background. So, so a figure that has perhaps inspired you that is not Kung Fu uh, related directly. Not martial arts related. Um, that's a good question. Um, there's been a few. Um, I'm a big, um, big anime nerd, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so for instance, you know, people who inspire me, like storytellers inspire me, people who can like weave these stories together, it, it blows my mind. So you have like, for instance, Akira Toriyama, creator of Dragon Ball, but people like the other things Toriyama has created, you know, Sandland, um, he's done like all the Dragon Quest video games, or at least the concept art for all the Dragon Quest video games. Yeah. Um, different stuff but he can he can weave stories together and it just so happens yes he created one of the greatest martial arts stories there is based sure. off of journey to the west but you know he's it, that's kind of a big inspiration for me um and then i would say you know i i'm a big um i like uh philosophy i like um reading philosophy and you know i was a big uh follower of the philosophy of thich nhat ham um famous vietnamese buddhist zen buddhist monk um who okay. just had a very beautiful way of looking at things in a very practical non-esoteric way of interpreting uh various sutras and stuff and he just um 
simple things like in in you know, one of my favorite things is like well look you know no mud no lotus you know we have to we have to, in order to bloom in order to grow we have to really go through the thick of it um um i've read tons of philosophy paranoid uh, autobiography of the yogi uh paranasa yogananda i believe is his name sorry yeah. if i mispronounced that but it's quite a name um you know big 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 into philosophy big into um reading various uh writers and stuff like that um and then of course i would say you know another uh historical figure marcus aurelius i mean meditations okay. and stuff absolutely you know um stoic philosophy and things like that i thought you know marcus aurelius was of course a very in-person you know if you think about that a very self-aware self-thinking person who was in charge of the roman empire at basically the height of its size and power and had to go you know said all right we're not expanding anymore because it's just unsustainable but the, and then also had that just that thought process of himself um well so, yeah, and, and a, remarkable in the sense that um he he had enough uh self-reflection um to know that these you know ideas are sometimes important for for people to understand because yeah. there's not many examples you know perhaps earlier than that of you getting to see the inner thoughts of someone like this and uh, and uh, you know his thoughts were not frivolous so i think no. for the you know modern disciplines of you know stoicism and all that kind of stuff yeah. and and even just people that want to you know analyze uh you know a, a character um you know what a great gift that we've been able to basically get insights from such yeah. a such a person and obviously you know what what's the kung fu equivalent of that of course is uh, some of the the posthumous notes of bruce lee bruce, yeah um you know not necessarily making a direct comparison between the two but similar in the sense of these are people that long after they've passed away people are pouring over their notes and and yep. you know, trying to understand what were the the true inner thoughts of this remarkable person you yep. know absolutely absolutely um yeah and you know i it's it, it's definitely impressive to meet people like that I, another example like steve jobs you know um good, bad, and indifferent, just like any other human being, but it's in, absolutely impressive what he had accomplished in his life, creating a computer company in a garage to now it's one of the biggest computer companies in the world. Here we are, iPhone, MacBook, chit-chatting with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's and, ubiquitous. And, um, uh, you know, even somebody 20 years ago, if you could show them the world we're living in, they would be, you know, completely blown away. But stuff that people take, like kids in particular, they just completely, they don't remember a time when there wasn't such thing as an iPhone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that has obviously its impact on on Wing Chun, our art as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we think of this as like two separate problems, but um, when the authority on Wing Chun now is is who has the most Instagram followers, for example, and then you look at yeah. what you're the content you're dealing with, and you know it's some very impressive gymnast or something, but they've yeah. been uh, you know trained to do all the right shapes to have a very convincing uh, Wing Chun thing that you can throw on Instagram and get a gazillion views. Yeah. 
um this is part of that same um culture of electronic like instant gratification that you know phones uh, yeah. iphones and whatnot have made all too easy yeah um it kind of uh, appeals to the lowest common denominator and and unfortunately yeah. the the people that take it seriously um and want to curate uh curate a um a genuine um version of the art um that stuff unfortunately then get gets lost in the yeah. in in the weeds which is a shame because if you were new coming to wing chun genuinely curious it's a very difficult to um find the diamond in, in the rough you know people are going to absolutely find, you know, have to find out the hard way unfortunately yeah. um but that's you know that's that's um that's gong fu in in literal translation it's time and effort it's it's skill harnessed through time and effort and you bring up a good point of instant gratification we live in a society where people's attention spans just aren't there to do it the people's ability to commit to that thing just isn't there to do it um you know i i hate to say it but like in my previous episode where i talk about you know um kung fu's greatest dilemma well one of kung fu's greatest dilemmas is the fact that it is a slow burn it is not it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight it happens over a process of many many years sure. and and we have to find a way to convince people that committing to that is worthwhile yeah. you know um and and when i i think i mentioned you know moving away from martial application it, it should always be there it should always be ever present because it is a martial art but it is multifaceted and we should be able to offer that multifaceted side to people. Yes. Going back to Sum Tao, you know, not just, am I stuck on something in Wing Chun? Am I stressed out at work? Can I take a walk and go practice my Sum Tao? Can I just go practice the Sun by foot, three hands, just breathe and relax myself with that way, refocus myself. You know, it, it has a lot more to offer than just the fighting. That is yeah. the fun part, but, but, there's more to it than that and it is just showing people that and showing them that this is why it is worth this lifelong basically a lifelong time commitment to this thing yeah absolutely so i mean it's it's one of those things that you know we hope that new people come and and find the art um you know not necessarily for, from us specifically but you yeah. know find someone in the art and and get a feel for their their competency um and it's one of those things it's 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 a commitment i think it's off-putting you know when people show up and they're seeing like the slow sunim tower and all that kind of stuff some people are going to be put off by that because that you know there's so many great self-defense classes that people can take these days uh someone might stumble into a wing chun school and be like okay this this looks great but when i'm when am i going to learn stuff that you can use and sometimes that's about managing expectations you know you know sometimes you have to say to people listen you know you're going to pick up things you know relatively early on that may be practical for self-defense but when you're learning a, tra a traditional or a classical system like this you have to learn the foundation first which means that people that go to a self-defense uh, self class or you know something like that 
in the short term, they're going to have an advantage. And that's fine because they are learning techniques. They're going to their first class and learning a technique. They're going to their second class and learning a technique. Um, you know, with Wing Chun early on, the techniques are, are not always apparent to you. You're, you're learning the foundation and the movements, and then um, the techniques reveal themselves uh, much later. Uh, so people are off put by that because it's, mm -hmm. they want something tangible they can work with right away. So I think, you know, interested in your opinion on this. Um, how do you uh, prioritize, particularly for newer people coming to check out your class and what have you, how do you prioritize um, stuff that they can perhaps take away from the very first class and, um, you know, apply right away if they needed to? Um, how soon do you give out the goods, in other words, or, sure. <laughs> or are you more insistent on the the, the foundational stuff first? How, how do you prioritize that? So it's interesting because this is something I've seen happen in two different ways. Um, you know, the very first thing I have to assess is someone's gross motor function and movement ability. Yeah. Um, how coordinated is a person? How, how am, am I starting at a deficit that I need to build up to then to get into building, you know, the rest of it. Um, and more often than not, if I start, if I have to start at a deficit with somebody's mobility and movement, that alone by the end of the first class is a big thing for them to take away. And I've had that happen where they've gone, wow, I didn't know I could move like this because they just don't do it you know we oftentimes uh myself you know i sit at a desk most of the day i'm behind a computer doing meetings and appointments and it's getting up and and for somebody who doesn't have a uh, regular exercise routine you lose your mobility yeah. and you lose your range of motion very quickly um so it's it's meeting with people who um meeting people where they're at as far as their movement goes and then just making a quick assessment of okay this is kind of how much uh motor you know gross motor function movement we're going to be working with so let's build there um oftentimes what i like to do in a beginner's class for a person's first class the two things i really want them to be able to walk away with is the punch and the pock um the horse will come in time you know easy kim young ma is a very weird pigeon-toed stance and you'll work on it again and again over time to get that going but if they can get the fist in the center push it forward with the elbow and then they can get the hand to do this and just a simple pocking motion to the center line great those two things um once those two things can get be done great by the second class we can start doing pox out drill yeah and then i can show them at the end towards the end of that second class hey this is how you would apply this and why we're doing it this way so you know relatively um i try and make i try and provide an opening pretty early on for them to understand how a simple idea might work and i use i always use pox out because it's, to me it's the simplest drill it's the first drill i teach uh first partner drill I teach students um 
because it's just to me it's the simplest everything else from there has an increased level of complexity to it but even then within Paxa, you know you have Paxao, pakta pakta with a step you know and and really from there you know by the students second or third class we're also working on basic footwork stepping forward stepping forward which you know getting a person to step forward is surprisingly can sometimes be surprisingly a, a complex situation well, um, it's something we spend a lot of our day doing but we don't devote any uh you know conscious brain power to it it's so yeah. automatic um you know it's a bit like somebody to you know tell you about your breathing you're like hang on i've been breathing all day and not thinking about it and now i've got to think about it okay. it becomes a whole different whole yep. different equation and uh, and right well, left right left yeah, yeah your brain knows how to do that Dude. automatically but you have to start thinking about it Dude. where you've perhaps never had yeah. to think about it before yep. um that can be that can be tricky but um but it, this is a great example but think about it again let's bring it back to sulumtau you know, we're sitting here like this, and what was always the, especially for the beginners, the one thing Sifu would always say, we'd be doing something, he goes, so what's your other hand doing now? Come to realize the other hand had moved itself inward, and yeah. is now resting, on the, oh, no, no, separated back out. All of a sudden, there it is again, back, 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 and he said, you know, that's another thing, Wing Chun, the, the uh, getting both hemispheres of the brain to work at the same time, to train the two hands to do two opposite things at the same time. Yeah. Um, um, but again, that goes back to needing to build these kind of motor functions in, in a person. Um, so, you know, for me, for, for beginners, it really comes down to how, what am I working with? Because I've had a, a student come to me for some private lessons, and he had a very phenomenal just range of motion, good muscular strength. Um, I was able to get him you know, we would do a private lesson and we were doing, you know, all the footwork and then going straight into drills and drill combos relatively quickly. He just had that much physical mo mobility and his, uh, his, uh, vocabulary of movement in him. It was easier to teach him that. Is, is this uh, somebody that had a, a martial arts background or did you a get little a little bit fresh? Um, he had a little bit of a martial arts background, a little bit of a um, Wing Chun background, JKD background. Sure. Um, but he he was very, he told me, you know, he said it was very minuscule. He only got to do it for a few months. Um, but he had shown me other stuff he did. And he was, you know, very athletic person. He had played uh, sports for, I think, IMG and things like that. So he's he just had a high movement vocabulary to him. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, versus another student I had who has older gentleman not over the years built up tension and stuff in the body like we all do yeah. and that's where we're working at it with him is getting him to just do how to relax and just do the basic forward punching pocking things like that and that's you know and then trying to translate that into you know i think he had his third class with me last week and we got him to do pakda and tanda and it it okay very basic movements for him but he was getting it he was starting to get it that basic movement where and you know that's one of those i want to be able to to translate that to them um relatively quickly that it is applicable in real life cool. but at the same time ensuring that i'm teaching them the correct movement patterns to be able to do that you know? yeah yeah 
I I've seen stuff where people are basically the 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 joke that Wing Chun people just play patty cake. Like I've seen people teach patty cake, and like okay, it's yeah, it that yeah. kind of stuff. It used to hurt my feelings. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's part of the reason I don't follow a lot of things on like Facebook in particular mm -hmm. anymore. Um, because yeah, of all the Wing Chun stuff that you see, uh, nine out of nine out of ten, um, to be generous, uh, you're thinking, is this what you would want someone outside of Wing Chun to see as their first um, look at what we do? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're going to think we're a joke. Um, yeah. I don't worry about that so much anymore. I mean, people are going to think what they want to think. And yeah. admittedly, it looks kind of silly. You know, when we're in the park yeah. and we're doing the slow suit in towel, yeah. that part of your brain is always thinking like, oh, somebody walking, walking their dog is going to think we're complete weirdos. Um, and maybe they're right. Yeah. Um, most but, certainly you know eventually <laughs> you get to the point where it's like it's not about them i'm i'm doing this for me um what i'm doing makes sense um and yeah it looks silly but guess what you know i'm yeah. sure there are things that you do in your house that are silly as well that you wouldn't want people to see um but uh yeah i think it's obviously uh you know it's a great pursuit whatever you want out of it you know some people yep. want to learn some you know applicable stuff straight away and i think that's a fair thing for people what to want to expect if they're paying money in particular you know you want to give them something they can work with um but yeah my mind has always been you know the fundamentals are, are, are so important and if yep. you take the time to examine them properly um then the applications that you take out will be far superior um, and adaptable as well because yep. uh, you will have the uh wisdom to know how to uh, alter the application according to certain uh, yep. cues, certain situations that you, you can only yep. really get that kind of insight from examining the fundamentals on a very uh, detailed level. And, and yep. it takes patience. Uh, yep. But, that, you know, uh, occasionally you come across people that have the patience to to really look into the details. And, uh, yep. you know, we, we have to be thankful for those kind of people because, yeah, yep. for, for some it's um, um, not something they spend a lot of time on. They want to look at the flashy stuff and it's like, no, nah. yeah you know you've got to start with the foundation yep well and another another kind of um thing to avoid just teaching experience wise especially teaching beginners and getting people into things is you can't necessarily jump right into the deep end because you can't teach that much material to a person on their first day sure um a, one of the biggest mistakes you can ever make as a, a new teacher is over teaching and I get it because you're really excited and you want to share and you'll be like, okay, and and you have to do it this way because then this leads to the, and, and, and you get on that rabbit hole of being like over explaining. Whereas, you know, again, we're on step F and the person is still on step B. He's like, mm -hmm. I got step A, step B. And you just, again, you just have to meet people where they are. And some people can be in step C. But oftentimes, you know, especially with a beginner, it's here's step A and B, A, B, A, B. Um, and you have to be okay with, they're going to sit here for an hour doing that. Yeah. And they, if they really want it and they appreciate it, in my experience, they've, people have, give them what they need, which is step A to step B, but then give them a taste of step C or sure. step D so they can not feel like they're just you know 
Sifu and his famous story of I sat there and punched for six months. And that's all they yeah. let me do. We can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, right. But we can. Not the best business model. Yeah. No, not at all. But we can get, like you said, get those fundamentals down and spend a good time on those fundamentals, but also give people a taste of the end of class of towards the end of their first class. Like, Hey, this is what you're doing now, but this is what it becomes. Yeah. And then they go, oh, okay. So they can see the the carrot at the end of the stick. Yeah. Yep. So. Cool. Cool. Now, um, in a few moments here, I'll dump our long, uh, long-awaited um, hypothetical question that uh, a friend of uh, your podcast has uh, kindly submitted. Um, before I get to that, were, were there any other things on your mind this week? Any uh, Anything you wanted to... Uh, necessarily uh, get off your chest that you had been uh, brewing on not so much um i will say this um one thing i just hey what have i been doing this week um you know i've been spending a, a goodly amount of time um doing my own personal training but also training with some other friends of mine outside of wing chun um and you know, one of the big things, I and mean, again, we talk about movement vocabulary. Um, one of the things I think is really important to me, and this is just my thoughts for the week of expounding that movement vocabulary, but then bringing it back to kind of, this is my alphabet, and then playing with other languages, for instance, sure. and saying like, oh, okay, so they you know, they, they put the adjective here in a sentence. What happens if I put the adjective there in the sentence? Does it break everything or does it actually work? Or does mm. it create a, an, an interesting linguistic um, play? But taking it back to your example of music of like, okay, well, I play, you know, this type of music and then, okay, well, I'm going to go learn, uh, what was it? A uh, great example. Um, was it the uh, guitarist for Megadeth? ended up going to japan to create j-pop or something like that because he just wanted to play yeah, the different that, that genre sounds about uh right um yeah i mean the most I, i'm not sure which guitarist it was marty friedman's probably considered like the, the best of the guitarists from megadeth that megadeth and one of those bands that i, I and yeah. i love megadeth to death uh, uh pardoning the pun there but uh they're one of these bands that's famous for having like a hundred different band members over over the years. Dave Mustaine yeah. uh, is notoriously a pain in the ass to uh, tour with and record with. You know, um, so there's been a whole um, uh, you know uh, sequence of various different bandmates and combinations. But M Marty Friedman uh, was considered to be the guitarist of Megadeth in their prime. So I don't know if that's who you're referring to. I think. Uh, I want to say Petrelli played with them for a little while as well. So that, that might be the guy that went off to do his thing. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds about right. It's always yeah. funny when you think of these guys from a particular niche and you know them for that, and then they yep. go off and do something and you're like, okay, where did that come from? I didn't yep. know that about you, you know, but that's, but you know, and that's the thing is like when you become a um, obsessive about it, I'm going to use that word just to self-describe myself. Um, you, you, 
you stop getting defensive about the thing you do and then you start becoming interested in the the way other people do a that similar thing um um you know training with uh you know rick hutton sensei it's not so much that i that i'm like oh shotokan is such a great karate style great martial art it's a good martial arts great style but Rick's movement vocabulary and the way he has figured out how to deliver power and things like that. That's what it's like. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. That's here's how I move. Here's how he moves. All right. I need to train with him because I need to, un- I want to understand that and how, like, how can I apply that to me? It, it's yeah. things like that. When you get, you get really interested in, in, into what you're doing, like, so, yeah, well, that's... I'm really pleased for you that you, that you found these uh, guys because, of course, yeah. a lot of people in the Wing Chun community will will say, "Well, if you're study, studying Wing Chun, you, you shouldn't, um, you know, involve yourself with like a super hard style like karate or whatever." You know, there's yeah. you know always been these myths that 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 yeah. they would be completely in, incompatible, but. Mm-hmm you know the dna is so similar in 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 several notable places you know there's obviously common ancestry there if you want to go back far enough so there's always things that you can see and learn in other styles even if you perhaps wouldn't apply it exactly the same way um, with your wing chun principles um but yes if you have your eyes and ears open um and it and it sounds uh from what you described that you've got a great group of guys over there um that can basically um explain to you what's happening and why it's happening uh there's always good takeaways it doesn't matter what style you do you 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 know i'm i'm of the opinion you can learn from anybody absolutely you should you should learn from anybody you know nobody is beneath uh uh learning from um you know they, Absolutely. I mean, they let you know pretty quickly if what they have to say is not worth listening to. Most people, you know, and, and give us that courtesy. That's the thing. Keep keep an open mind because I've done, I've yeah. I've gone to plenty of seminars and been like, that was an experience. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that experience, but that was an experience. Sure. So. Cool. Absolutely. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah. yeah if there's nothing else, I I think I uh, uh, probably wanted to get to. Uh, a submitted uh, question, um, you know, word was getting around uh, a few weeks ago, a month or, or so ago that we were going to be doing a uh, podcast together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I had, uh, you know, I, I had put the word out that I was, you know, potentially taking, uh, you know, questions from from followers, subscribers. Um, I did get a question uh this person i don't know if they're serious or not um but they're calling themselves the kung fu genius um who the hell calls themselves pretentious i don't know why anybody uh would take themselves so seriously as to call themselves a kung fu genius but nevertheless a kung um, fu genius okay yeah i mean this is how they refer to them uh themselves um and next thing you know he'll be having his own podcast calling himself the kung fu genius yeah, I mean, it sounds like the kind of person that that would do that. Um, but nevertheless, uh, this so-called kung fu genius um, has submitted a hypothetical question uh, for your attention. And okay. you know, I mean, this is serious. This is serious stuff now, uh, Tofa. So, um, um. if Master Wong, Master Two, 
and DKU were locked into a room and had to duke it out to the death, how long would it be before people completely forgot about them? I've never heard of any of these people. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> Who? know. Who? They must be some um, really uh, talented martial arts celebrities, but they're obviously not on like Grandmaster Baxter level if we oh. haven't seen them. So look, I could tell you some things about Grandmaster Baxter for another yeah. time. For another time, of course, of course. I'm unfortunately uh, to the kung fu genius. Mm. Um, I've uh, never heard of any of these three people. Yeah. Uh, Probably just made it up. You know what? I got it. I know a guy named Dryson who makes up a lot of nonsense like that. So really, is he is he the kind of person that submits hypothetical questions? More than he ever should. More than he ever should. Do you uh, do you do you think this Dryson person? And this so-called Kung Fu genius person might be the same person. I have my suspicions. Mm. I have my suspicions. Well, maybe one of these days we'll uh, we'll get to the bottom of that because uh, big if true, right? Big if true. Groundbreaking. Internet breaking, as the kids say these days. Mm. Oh. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. So... Sihang, thank you so much. It's great oh, chatting it's been with my you. Pleasure. Absolutely. Let's get together again sometime and do it again. Awesome. Anytime. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one. Yep. Peace out.